Hey everyone, just a reminder that we are recording remotely while we're quarantined, uh, so the sound might be slightly compromised, but hopefully not too bad. Enjoy! Welcome to Feminists Without Mystique, a podcast where we process politics, sex, and the unrelenting firehose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Each week we begin by venting about the news, we'll go deep on one important issue, call out terrible things happening below the top headlines in a segment called We See You, and then we'll end with something hopeful. And just a reminder, if you're enjoying the podcast, to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe, tell your friends about us. Um, and if you are uh, looking for anything additional to do, we have um, a page on Kofi where you can buy us a or coffee. God, we really, I really need to look up how to pronounce it. You can buy us a coffee, um, but I promise it will actually go towards uh, upgrading audio equipment equipment, hardware, software, and some of the audio subscriptions that we have that we get slapped with. (laughs) It's another thing that I, again, like on the never ending to-do list uh, is to create an Excel where we have our, our, those like recurring charges that just sort of, they just appear. They appear now and then. (laughs) They appear. Hey, remember me? Okay. Oh, $100 here, $100 there. Uh, Yeah. So anyway, if you buy us a coffee, it'll go towards all of that. And um, your everyone's support, positive words and subscriptions and um, everything is, is, anything you can do is very appreciated. I'd I'd say probably the the thing that is most valuable and also free is um, positive reviews and just sharing um, like giving us a shout out. I also saw that we showed up in some people's um, 2020 uh, wrapped, their, your, your Spotify wraps. Yeah. Um, so that was really cool. If um, if you haven't already, tag us. It was really cool to see um, and really fun to be in such good company with um, some other badass uh, podcasts. So Woo-hoo. yeah, yeah, <laughs> love us, <laughs> validate us, love us, we validate uh... us. Yeah. So uh, as we record, it's the evening of December eighth, twenty twenty. What a wild ride! Uh, Giuliani's got COVID now. He's in the hospital. Um, mm-hmm. They think he'll be released soon. Uh, not surprising, as he's said that you can quote unquote over mask it. <laughs> Uh, you cannot over-mask it. Um, you can't mask too much. <laughs> what does that even mean? You're just over-masking it. You know, <laughs> just a little too uh, masky. <laughs> too much mask. Yeah, just uh, cut out the little nose hole or something. <laughs> Bizarre. So that's, yeah, not not shocking in that uh, flagrantly just regards... Uh, <laughs> COVID protocols and that's kind of what happens so yeah seems like he'll be just fine so that's just fine but <laughs> worth, worth noting or at least it should be <laughs> yeah I mean he was also asking his wit his own witnesses at the Michigan hearing to take their masks off too yep. um also if you haven't already and I couldn't believe that I didn't <laughs> like I mean well obviously check out the Michigan woman with her crazy, crazy nonsense. Um, but Giuliani, um, 
also tooted a couple of times in the Michigan hearings. He did too. Yeah. And it's obvious. And people around him obviously responded. It's definitely him. It's like, absolutely. He farted. Um, and it's important. I think that everyone know that everyone listening <laughs> here know that. Um, and if you want to, you know, look that up, it's, it's, it's good fun. So <laughs> it's it just, it's innocent fun. We all fart. Um, he just, he really just uh, blasted through it. You know, he, he just, it's like nothing. It's like, this isn't the first time <laughs> audibly. Cause it, it just, they were just like quite, quite the toots, quite the toots. So, yeah. um, you know, a part of, I, I don't have any respect for him, but I do have some respect for just, <laughs> the level with which he barreled through those toots. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They really escaped the chair. They got up from under. Yeah. I bet he could feel him going up his back. Yeah. (laughs) Sounded like it. (laughs) (laughs) It's, that's the type of fart that you know is coming. There's no, it's not not, it's, there's no. That's not a whoopsie. No. (laughs) You know. Put a lot of air behind it. Yeah, that, that had some force. He knew it was going to make a sound. So, you know, it, it, I, I'm glad that he's not ashamed of, uh, you know, normal human bodily functions, but there are things yeah. he should be ashamed of. So yeah. <laughs> everything else about himself. Yeah. And his behavior. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. But it's oh. funny. He farted. <laughs> <laughs> um also, uh, today we found out that Jenna Ellis, a lawyer for the Trump campaign, White House staff, staffer, uh, also has COVID, which is making the team a little worried because she attended a unmasked White House holiday party this weekend. How many super spreader events is this <laughs> fucking White House going to have? Yeah. And I do seem to remember someone ask like the press asking Kaylee McEnany, like, mm, do we think it's a good idea for you guys to be having unmasked like White House parties um, as the pandemic rages and against all public health guidelines? And she was like, you know what? If people are able to burn down buildings and protest, you can we can have a holiday party. We're going to celebrate Christmas. And I was just sort of like, well, what a work of art. <laughs> what a work. Because those are the same things. <laughs> same things. Protesting outside mm-hmm. <laughs> with a mask. With a mask. Outside is the same as and protesting against like police brutality, you know, things like right. kill people. Um, certainly the same as Kaylee McEnany <laughs> wearing her little holiday dress indoors without a mask. Yeah, same vibe. Same. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, did you also see Matt Geitz and the, like, New York, New Jersey Republicans held this, like, of course, like, huge party um, in New Jersey that no masks. And it's actually worth Googling Matt Geitz, like, GOP party because the picture that he posted, like, the people in this in this picture feel like a who's who of of who to avoid on tinder like i just know that you, i mean oh like yeah the people that you swipe i mean i would need to cross-reference that with any potential dates in new york yeah see the whole tri-state area it should be cross-referenced look at those maskless people having a whole lot of fun <laughs> oh god and he really does look like a caricature of like a dick i mean he is not a uh, not like a phallic but like an asshole like he looks like a caricature 
he looks like he worked on a vibe, you know, yeah. like he curated an image. Like his hair is really quaffed. His chin is just like so far out. Uh, <laughs> and his grin is like, yeah, I don't know. See you later, suckers. I don't know. It's just like. <laughs> it's a very see you later, suckers kind of grin. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a 1950s bully vibe. Oh, it's it's certainly present. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, people, 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 people. Yeah. What what other um, fun fun <laughs> topics do you want to touch on before we get into other stuff? <laughs> um. Oh gosh, I know that there were other things, and now I just kind of. Oh, oh gosh. Oh gosh. Um. I think mainly there's a lot that seems to be just sort of like roiling under the surface in terms of like complete bullshit and like fuckery on the part of Giuliani and his teams and different Republicans who are just tacitly allowing Trump to continue to undermine the entire electoral process and our democracy and just like continued lawsuits for no reason. Um, And we'll get into a couple of them are actually like in our we see you's, but for my own, at least, like, mental health, I've decided that it's okay to be on Twitter a little bit less and to try to just let these things happen because usually there's, like, another ridiculous lawsuit and within a couple of days the cycle has closed because it's been shut down by the courts, um, Mm -hmm. Supreme Court most recently in a couple of cases. But it... It is really scary, and I hope that this this sort of area, this part of American history is, um, there's a lot of light shown on it once Biden is actually in office, and we can look at the people that were played a role in this. A lot of them, frustratingly, will still be in office, but a lot of people are apparently, I mean, cynically, this is like a ploy to be on Trump's good side for 2024 and for a potential pardon right now, like, Ugh. like, spoiler alert for one of our, um, one of my we see uses, um, the attorney general, uh, Ken Paxton in Texas, who's like suing four different states at the Supreme Court level, just saying like, the, there's been like rampant fraud and people are saying, well, he's already under investigation by the, um, the FBI and it was because his own staff turned him in. So, so there's this, there's this thought that he's actually doing this as a plea for a preemptive pardon by Trump. This behavior is actually just a part. Like, whoa, it's mind blowing. Anyway, I just, it's a lot to keep track of. So for all, for all our listeners who just feel like it's a complete, like there's just so much bad faith stuff happening. I want to share that uh, there definitely is, but I think, at least I've told myself, it's okay to not have my finger on the pulse of every single moment of it because we just, there's more important stuff like advocating for the Georgia runoffs and just keeping our energy up to to build back better. Exactly. No, I think that's great. I think that it's important to stay informed, but I think it's a it's a thin line. Um, and if you're, you know, refreshing Twitter particularly all day, um, it can be a lot to a lot to, to stomach and a lot to to bear. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's best I think to for everyone to find the balance of how can I 
get what I need to get out of it, be aware, be active, be an ally while still maintaining some sort of like mental, emotional energy for existing, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. All about balance. Mm. Mm. Balance. Balance. Balenciaga. Oh, yes. Mm. Fancy. I have so many things by them. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Not a one. <laughs> uh, um, not a one. <laughs> Speaking of not a one. Yes. How are you going to segue that? <laughs> not a one figment of sanity for women great <laughs> life. smooth smooth as hell <laughs> so not, as a one, you... <laughs> not a one minute of time, spare time wow you okay. are the train has left the station and it's going to killer Segway road man wow yeah if people didn't guess we're going to be talking about the uh the strain particularly on women in uh in the pandemic and in in COVID-19 as y'all figured out from the beautiful the the linguistical masterpiece (laughs) 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 I don't think that's linguistical is a word either but you know it should be if it isn't neither here nor there um (laughs) yeah women yikes you got it tough don't we um Mm -hmm. So one of the big kind of uh, big pieces of how the pandemic disproportionately affects women and also, of course, women of color um, is that more often than not, caregivers in the United States are women. Um, and, you know, caregivers can be for their children or for, you know, parents of theirs or other family members. Um, and in during the pandemic, a lot of women have kind of taken their parents out of nursing homes Mm. and kind of taken on their care. Um, And of course, unpaid caregiving is one of the biggest, biggest, biggest uh, things when you think about like the disproportionate impact on women and girls and gender inequity. Um, So it's it's an interesting time because a lot of with the numbers tell us, it seems like a lot of households are kind of sneaking backwards into old gender roles a bit, you know, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, maybe the, if it's a, a man and a woman in the household, like maybe the, maybe he's working remotely or connecting unemployment or whatever. And she is in addition to whatever else she was doing, working remotely is also now taking on childcare, maintaining the home, um, and all of those all of those fun things like there's this idea of like the second shift that women take on with in terms of having their their work or whatever that is and then the second shift is them you know taking care of the house essentially and there's this this thinking now that with the pandemic it's created a third shift um with everything else that is involved and of course this isn't the, the case in every single household but we're talking about the overall picture and and he was being affected disproportionately. Um, and you also have women, particularly women of color in essential care worker roles. And, you know, there's all the, all the stress and the danger that comes with that. So there's, uh, there's a lot going on for us, uh, us women folk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, the, 
wealth gap that existed before uh, between men and women um, from the financial resources that kind of exist in lots of different pockets. Like there's your general earnings and investments and retirement savings. And um, all of that was already, uh, there was a huge, there's a huge gap and earnings gap between men and women. And then that gap gets even worse for um, women of color. Uh, But it's been massively exacerbated. Um, I think in a way that we're kind of only, they're only the kind of Bureau of Labor Statistics to kind of understand uh, like the hard, the hard numbers now. And it'll become clearer as, as we get further into it and then hopefully away from it um, as the pandemic eases at some point, um, just, just how devastating um, this the pandemic's been for women. Um, but, uh, the unemployment statistics that have, that are already, you know, terrible, the worst, uh, unemployment crisis since the great depression, um, women, um, account for, uh, you know, for, for instance, like 55% of the 20.5 million workers who became unemployed in April. Um, and, uh, their recovery um, and their jobs have have come back at a much slower pace um, than than those of men. And um, that's not even really thinking about kind of the people who have like quote unquote chosen to remain out of the, um, out of the workforce to care for, for, for elders, for um, children. I mean, it's just, it's an overwhelming, uh, problem. <laughs> yeah. Cause you also have a lot of places where, you know, now they have online school, which is an important, important thing to do a lot of places. Uh, but again, often disproportionately the women in the households where there's women and man, um, they're taking on that, that teacher role as well, you know, making sure all the kids are on top of their schoolwork during the day, you know, in addition to all the other stuff they've already been doing and the additional things they're doing because of COVID. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of stuff. Um, and in my home in particular, it's kind of an, sort of going to be a switch on the, on the regular situation. Um, my husband and I have both been helping with caregiving for my dad with me kind of managing his medications and his appointments and all that stuff, um, his physical therapy and doing his morning things. And my husband, in the afternoon, my husband helps out more, you know, at night and we've had kind of a division that's worked. Um, but with, and he has been collecting unemployment because he was working, booking musicians into venues, you know, working events. So obviously got laid off there a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going back into healthcare. So because of sort of the nature of our jobs and what makes sense, you know, like I'm going to go back to work and he's going to be at home caregiving my dad and eventually theoretically our kids. Um, and the, I, I can only speak for, <laughs> from what I feel, but I, I think I'm a lot more anxious and, and thinking about it a lot more than, if the roles were reversed, not in my relationship, but in general, the gender roles were reversed. Um, 
because now, you know, it's like, I'm worried like, oh, there's all this other stuff behind the scenes that he's going to have to do now that he doesn't know that he's about to start doing. And I got to fill him in all that. Or is he going to resent doing it? It's because caregiving work is, it doesn't, people don't really respect you for it. They don't really see how challenging it is. Um, and it can be kind of like thankless at times. So you know, I have a lot of <laughs> certainly concerns that, you know, he'll wake up one day and be like, fuck, I don't want to do this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is caregivers are expensive as hell. Like we're, my dad is with us because if we at any point said, we're not doing this, they'd send him to a nursing facility, a nursing home. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we, you know, we're taking care of him. Um, but I definitely, worry about like how how long is this gonna you know is he gonna (laughs) is he gonna be able to do this and it's not because of him I think he is you know like one of the kindest best strongest people in the world and he can do it no doubt but I think in general even for the most like sensitive men I don't think people men realize what that role entails and how difficult it is and how you know I maybe you're used to getting accolades at work or you know being congratulated on a job well done and going out for a whiskey with the boss but with this shit like no mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and then I also have the concerns of like shoot and then when I come home from work am I gonna be am I on there at home now like how are you know yeah. and thankfully you know I I'm in a good relationship and I am sure we'll work out all the all the kinks along the way but um I think like just sort of the inherent instinctual anxiety I feel going into this just has to do with the fact that like this isn't what you know is normal in society even in like 2020 you know there's this expectation um mm-hmm. so it's you know I'm, I'm looking forward to going back to work and everything that entails but I'm also just like ah shoot is you know am I gonna have to like what am I, what I would have to do yeah. <laughs> to make the home, the home life work well. Right. It's, I feel like there's this whole layer of, um, like, again, like just generally, uh, with any man, uh, that you're in, any partner, uh, almost like a little bit of an ego check, like mm. that they have to, for a I think for a lot of men, like would like, you just have to kind of, it's going to require like, there's this whole layer of like having to assuage them and Mm -hmm. like make uh, them feel like their work is valued in a way that I think um, doesn't always happen. Obviously like definitely doesn't happen for women (laughs) um, because it's just expected and it's so in the background. And there was this dear sugar episode where Cheryl Strayed was talking about, um, uh, basically like that she, her husband was trying to be more helpful. And he basically said like, uh, I am like, he, he was like, I, you know, I want to be able to help you with all of your, your home stuff, all the, all the stuff at home. Um, can you basically like give me a list? And she was uh, like, it's a problem that I am the list, you know, it's a problem yes. that I have to be the list and then communicate the list to you. We should both be, you know, holders yeah, like, of the why list am, why am i the holder of the list and then it's like but then it's like if i'm not holding the list and it's like i'm gonna miss something on the list and it's just all like yeah it's, it's quite it's quite a thing so well you know i'm not 
it's it's just yeah going back to it feeling like this weird sense of guilt which again has nothing to do with like who my partner is because he's very supportive and it's all you know it's just this this weird sort of like oh, i feel bad but like mm. i shouldn't and i right. don't think most men in my position would it's just <laughs> Yeah, it's it's this other layer of like this ah the home management what's gonna happen right uh right it's so um so frustrating uh I don't know it's so hard it's so hard to it's kind of um yeah I I can imagine too experiencing this like it feels like. I don't know. It's like we have a podcast about feminism, <laughs> but like it, it still feels like something that's just odd and like awkward to even talk about with, I think, a partner, um, uh, because you don't want to. Uh, I don't know. Everyone's feelings and are involved, and in it. Yeah, it's like, and he's been so incredibly helpful. And he's done so much, and also like so much more than any other partner I've had would have done. Which also like low bar, but he's jumped over it. But it's like even you know this morning, it's like I get up at a certain time, and then I wake him up, and I'm like, I need you to help with X, Y, and Z before this. You know. Yeah. And so it's the. You know, but it'll all. It'll all work out great, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a layer uh, that I don't think would happen in the reverse situation normally. No, no. And then it, it also just makes you so aware, too, of, of the generations of cumulative angst that women have felt and kind of how mm-hmm. we've we derived our name from the the idea of the feminine mystique which is like mm-hmm. the malaise that like exists uh when you're unfulfilled and unappreciated and trapped and uh i don't know i think it's it's definitely a a a good problem to have to mm-hmm. to be thinking about the uh how to cope with the masculine mystique uh. <laughs> how to cope because it should be taken yeah. seriously you know absolutely and it's like and hopefully as more men do more around the home it'll become something that's more respected and taken more seriously um right I, how i mean watch which like, lol <laughs> like that is that does make me just yeah. so because there irritated. is also some i will say there's <laughs> not like much clout with saying home I, I said and i do stand by that but at the same time there is a certain clout with men who are just like bare minimum decent husbands or fathers mm-hmm. it's like oh my you don't cheat on your partner assuming a monogamous arrangement of course you don't cheat on your partner you feed your child (laughs) oh my god like what it's a difference of standards but um right like oh good yeah just uh i for instance like um my partner basically does the laundry most of the time and i have this sort of like underlying guilt so that he always basically does the laundry I hate doing it because it's not in our unit like you have to go downstairs put on shoes and pants put use quarter quarters like it's just a whole thing um that I hate and I will be a cleaner person like when we're in a unit that includes (laughs) like a washer dryer because I don't anyway um but I do wonder because it's not like 
I don't do any other thing. You know, I do a lot of other stuff and I, I definitely do most of the dishes and I do like, you know, like there's mm, delineation. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. As soon as we have a dishwasher, it's going to solve like 90% of our arguments. Um, <laughs> then you'll get used to the cozy life. You'll be like, why am I always loading the dishwasher? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> First you're like, this is great. Just, it's a dishwasher. And then eventually, I've been always. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why am I doing that? Uh, but I do, I have thoughts on like on occasion, okay, why do I feel so deeply guilty that like, he's doing the laundry. I don't know. It's, and it feels like I am neglecting something and I still can't really shake that guilt. Oh, I feel you. He, my, he, uh, (laughs) he does the sweeping and the vacuuming, um, primarily. And yeah, it's like, I do the dishes most of the time. Like we, we have our things we do most of the time, but yeah, I always Mm -hmm. feel, I feel like always kind of like, Bad. And it's also like the way that we determined, maybe I should talk to him about this, maybe determined we just wanted to just like, he just kind of did the things he was cool doing. And I just sort of like picked up. Okay. Oh my God. And so it's like, there is a division and he does. The, and it's like, I don't love sweeping or vacuuming. It's not like I'd like claim them for my chore wheel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, certainly, that's certainly, I just kind of had the epiphany. That's kind of how we that's how they were arranged (laughs) (laughs) you just started doing stuff and I was like well that needs to be done too so I guess I'm doing the rest I know it's so oh my gosh this will just just turn into like a like bitch session (laughs) (laughs) that's bad it is sort of funny I mean there's like there are certain things that I will notice and I'll just sort of be like you know like for instance like if you're like gonna wash the dishes like wash all of them, including the cutting board, you know, or like wash the, or like uh, the cutting board's a whole other task. <laughs> do like the oven top too, just like spritz it and just get the oven while you're on it because stuff was near that. You know, uh, it's, got the crusty, it's a harder surface to scrub. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And then I'm just like, I guess I'll just, yeah, I'll just do it. Cause it's easier. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's the, it's maintaining I think the maintaining of the list is so is such a good way to think about how ideally the list is just shared. Ideally both people have like a clear sense of like mm-hmm. what what the list is, what the calendar is, like what like a holistic understanding of what needs Hol- to happen. Holistic? List- oh, you're on fire tonight. Thank you. <laughs> Giving me a run for my money if I do say ooh, so ooh, myself. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, and I, I mean, watch like one year of like one or two years of this pandemic and suddenly like if it accelerates some sort of universal basic income, I think it'll be that would be so worth it. I mean, there it's, it's nice Mm -hmm. to see new conversations happening about um, like flexible, more flexible remote work for different places and an idea of an understanding of the massive impact of, of caregiving. Um, And I mean, hopefully a recognition and oh my gosh, if like Democrats have the Senate, maybe we can actually act on some of these policy initiatives, but like this understanding that, the gaps, the gaps in COVID deaths, the gaps in, in work and um, employment 
uh, unemployment and, and, and earnings and caregiving are, are shouldered more by women and then much more by women of color. I think the gap gets, I mean, it becomes a chasm at that point. Um, and it's just like women are on the front lines. They're more, I, I mean, what you might know this, I mean, <laughs> you would know more than me. This, I have read the statistic at some point in the last, like, week about mm-hmm. how many, I mean, nurse in terms of the nursing profession, oh God, so many more uh, women. I can't tell you what the numbers are. I, <laughs> many, many more women. I can tell you that. And also uh, when you get to positions of power within nursing, then it starts to skew. Oh, um, like not necessarily to like, <laughs> oh, there are more men than women nurse managers. But when you look at the proportions, it upticks mm. greatly. So men in nursing get promoted a lot more quickly mm. um, and more of the time, but predominantly, predominantly most uh, nurses are women. And it's, yeah. it's like shifting in, year, in the recent years in terms of like the numbers of men increasing, mm. but yeah, it's not. Oh no, let's see, 90%. Not, okay, yeah. I was going to say 80 and that even felt low. So, okay, yeah. yeah. And then there's, I mean, it's it's like women are predominantly nurses. They are in different caregiving, like end of end of life care facilities, and, mm-hmm. and like uh, those types of places. Again, super hard hit by COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, more women are are still uh, predominantly teachers. More women are in nonprofit, the nonprofit work, nonprofit mm-hmm. sectors. Um, charity work and charity led organizations. It's just, um, yeah, it's, and then to come home and to be caring for your children. Um, and like you were saying before we got on the the call, there's like trying to teach your kids right now too, mm-hmm. and worrying about like their, you don't want them to fall behind. You're worried about their developmental. Like if your kids are in a, I mean, this would be an incredibly devastating thing to not, you know, not to kind of worry about like your kid's ability to socialize and to Mm -hmm. grow at a healthy rate when they're being kind of kept away from school, in-person learning and not able to, and and so much screen time. I mean, I feel like my eyes are struggling with all the screens and, you know, that's just, it's a lot. I, I'm so thankful <laughs> that I don't have uh, kids at this moment. Um, but like we were talking about before, there's a whole lot of stuff that, I mean, we're both like, we're 29, 30 right now. Um, and for people our age, like, at least in our, I think like friend circles, broadly speaking, we're in a, this is a, a kind of a big moment for, or was thought to be a transitional time for a lot of people that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> you can speak to. <laughs> like, I sure can. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's like we're, we were planning to, once I got back to work, we were planning to start trying for the bays. Um, and I had the little, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> moment of, yeah, they don't include pregnant people in vaccine trials. Um, so, and I mean, historically, like the flu vaccine, pregnant women are advised to get, like historically vaccines 
are recommended for pregnant women if there's a risk of contracting the virus immediately, like with the flu and like with COVID, will you know how that will be. Um, but certainly makes me a little nervy nerve. <laughs> it's like I don't want to postpone it anymore because it's already been postponed like six months because of other like COVID related circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I got all my hormones tested and shit just to see where I was at. And it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, in theory, I'm comfortable like waiting as long as I need to. But in reality, it's like, you know, you want to have a certain number of kids. We're of a certain age. Like it's not the, and we both want to, but it's like, we, I don't know how long we can wait so it's sort of there's so much to weigh in terms of like okay do I want to wait when will when do I think I can get a vaccine you know mm-hmm. do I want to wait until I have a vaccine before I get pregnant or and if I do that how long after I get the vaccine do I want to wait because you know some it could take weeks for the you know like how long until I'm safe or mm-hmm. do I want to just not get the vaccine probably not <laughs> it's probably the worst idea of all of them but it's just it's yeah it's a very hard decision to make and um it's a you know it's a scary time to make that decision and Mm -hmm. like you said we're at that point in our lives where um if you want to make certain decisions like now's the time that we're you know you start seriously thinking about it if you haven't and uh you know aside from it just being a the pandemic vibe in general you know Mm -hmm. they're the questions of, of the safety um and all of that and also with us with with my dad here it's like it's certainly gonna be um certainly gonna have our hands fall um when we do go down that road mm-hmm. um so it's 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 hard it's like you want to make these you know we got married in the pandemic and it's like you want to make these exciting life choices but it's it's scary mm-hmm. and it's you know I feel like it's all been about like mitigating what are the the risks and what are the pros and what are the cons and what's you know what are we gonna do yeah <laughs> so yeah. I don't know man yeah <laughs> it's a lot and each decision has just like cascading effects uh trying yeah. to balance like your I mean job and like caregiving and mm-hmm. child you know potentially yeah it's just it's can a women lot. do it all <laughs> in a pandemic oh my goodness oh I mean yeah it's totally it's unenviable it's um and there's the sadness like we've we've spoken about too like the sadness that your uh you know your wedding couldn't be what you wanted it to be and we couldn't have mm-hmm. like our like you know girls weekend and yeah. you know it's almost lo- my 30th <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> oh man it's we'll have to just like a lot of this stuff we'll have to hopefully do some version of when everything is safe and just mm-hmm. you know but there are weddings that haven't happened and memories that haven't been made and like just different stuff on that level. But for the people that were pregnant during the pandemic and did have children, you know, had to give birth with masks and had to bear the physical and emotional pain of that. um, It's at the forefront of my mind because I, I was telling you like went on a socially distanced masked walk with uh, a friend here um, who I hadn't seen since before the pandemic. And she had a kid, uh, her first child in July um, and is sort of struggling 
on a number of levels, just that there's, there's, I think an alienation from the world, um, and feeling like you have to do all this on your own. Like, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot because it just, I said to her, it's like, you know, it feels cliche because it's on Instagram on every like empowerment post, but it really feels like women are superheroes in some, like a year. I mean, I was sort of thinking too, like this friend, you know, first of all, like had a, you know, had a baby is like whatever, five or six months out from having the baby. And like, even, even to like leave the house with the child and like go on a masked walk. Like she had to set up the whole carriage. She was wearing, she was like better dressed than I was. And I was sort of like, what is my excuse? So, you know, I mean, she had like these cute little booties on, like, I was just, you're dressing a baby. There's so many things. Um, it just, I kind of was thinking it was putting into perspective, definitely. Um, my own sort of, my own feelings of like, just frustration and loss and discontent with this year and feeling like, um, you know, there's a lot of things that I, like, I don't know exactly. (laughs) I don't know what I want to do next, but I know that I I really want to be like using my brain a little more, uh, regularly for work, um, (laughs) for my nine to five. Um, and I don't really know what that means, but it just like, I think I had been thinking about that for a long time and I've been feeling really stuck in the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've, but, but while also understanding and really being appreciative of, of this quandary, I mean, I'm very happy that I, I have a job and I really like where I work and who I work for. It's just not the work that I want to be doing long-term. Um, and it's, yeah. it's, so that's a very, a, a cushy problem. So I'm very, I'm happy to have it. Um, but it's still something that really gives me a lot of, um, emotional, uh, toil, uh, throughout the days. And when you're, when your mind is not really like really actively employed, you're, um, free to, uh, just, just be anxious about every little thing, everything. Yeah. Your mental health can really deteriorate. (laughs) Yeah. Mine definitely has like, you know, I, I have some anxious, some anxiety for sure disorders, uh, and they've, they've lit up in the pandemic, um, and new ones, uh, a whole new gang. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, just trying to kind of like actively manage that has been sort of, I, I, I think I'm, I'm sure I've said this on the podcast before, but there's this saying that I saw, um, a few years ago, just like written, um, somewhere, somewhere in like central Washington, but it said, um, worry is a misuse of the mag- the imagination, um, which I really like um, because I like thinking of, okay, I'm basically just, it's a misuse. It's an abuse of the imagination to be worrying this way, but to think of the act of worrying as in a, a way that you're basically, you have an imagination and you could be putting it towards so many things. And instead what you choose to do is turn and turn over and over all these anxieties. So I've been like trying to think, about like, okay, don't misuse your imagination in this way. It's so, it's so cruel. <laughs> yeah. No, to the brain. Can, 
<laughs> when you can tell, when you can talk yourself out of it, do it. <laughs> I have a hard time with that. <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 you know, it's like, you're not choosing to be, to have anxiety, you know, none of us, none of us choose these things, but I do think it's helpful to have things like that to reframe, mm-hmm. you know, because sometimes that can be the difference between like, all right, <laughs> what's going to happen next? <laughs> you know, so I think it's, and I do love that. I love that quote too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. And I, I, I think that there's, I don't know, there's, there's a lot of different data that's coming out and Institute for Women's Policy Research and all these different uh, angles to the ways in which the pandemic is, is really uh, harming, harming women overall and, and the long-term effects. Um, I think it was a New York Times or Times article that said that the pandemic would take like women 10 years back in terms of like success in the workplace and progress. Um, and Yay. That's like, it's just hard to, it's hard to hear and see and, and, you know, experience with, with friends or with, with coworkers or just, just to see the struggles and the, and, and the opportunities dry up and to see us all have to kind of hunker down and, and be in a place where we are having to be really conservative about what we want to, what we want for ourselves and for our families and in the short, short, long term. It's exactly, and it's, yeah, we don't know. I think one of the hardest parts is not knowing exactly when or how this ends what the long-term impacts are going to be like when society mm-hmm. reopens what does that look like like externally and internally you know like yeah how how is this how are we going to transition to whatever the next phase of life is and yeah what does it look like and how will we be and how will everything be different and how will it be the same and what what it, what mental health issues that we've all picked up oh my God. <laughs> will remain because it's like I had you know I had plenty but it's just like new little manifestations of things or a different a different way to be fucked up you know mm-hmm. um, so certainly curious certainly curious <laughs> uh, <laughs> look forward to it yeah look forward to seeing it you know whether it's twenty twenty one twenty twenty two twenty twenty three see what exactly happened to me in this year yeah. what happened oh man yeah but hey it's a it's a unifying experience in some ways you know yeah yeah it's it's gonna be something that we all remember and (laughs) it's gonna affect us we're gonna be those like grandmothers who are Mm -hmm. you know like Oh, I remember when. <laughs> exactly. And when we're grandmothers, we're going to have uh, the bodies of robots. And <laughs> I read this, there was this article a while ago. I didn't fact check it or anything. So I'll just bring it up now about how like, in, like the late 2000s, like 2000s, 70s, 80s, like we might be able to like live forever as like robots. But Oh, that sounds so Black Mirror. Yeah, right? Um, mm. So... Anyway, and when I when I hear that, I just think it's so sad for the people who like barely don't make it. But also, do we want to live forever? I don't know. Seems like bad also, things happen. Yeah, and all, and one thing that continues to like every time I 
think about it, it's like an overwhelmingly deep sadness is, uh, so let me bring it up here again, like, uh, is, I mean, any time that there's a New York Times notification or I see anything about like the Arctic melting at a uh, unrecognizable rate, you know, and all these different, the impacts of, of global warming and how irreversible it basically already is, um, I do think about that. Like, I mean, what does even living forever mean when you're living on a planet that's like not going to be sustainable for a long time? I hope, I hope that we, I hope that technology and science moves towards prioritizing sustainability and that there are inventions that help bring us back from the brink. I basically have to hope for that at this yeah. point because we hope, can't. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Cause otherwise we'll just be like a barren barren hellscape with a bunch of like robot body people <laughs> running around town. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If only. But we'll see. <laughs> right. Right. It's kind of like, yeah. When I think about how sad and anxious I am about global warming, just, just at a default level, like, uh, it does push me so, so far, make me so thankful for like people like AOC because every time she speaks, every time she gets on her Instagram live or, or tweets back at Marco Rubio, I'm just cheering her on and so thankful for her her voice and her perspective and um, and the way that she's able to like always keep kind of like that Green New Deal, um, you know, kind of in the forefront of the conversation and why it's practical and why it's economically feasible and not only feasible, but like necessary and will spur growth, you know, and, and the way that she can kind of um, have this, uh, the interconnectivity of the importance of the Green New Deal just makes me so um, appreciative for her and her communication skills. And I just hope that uh, like, I do hope that that so many of these like horrid men who are in power right now, it's the last gasp of something really ugly. Um, yeah. I, I really let's, hope so. Let's hope. I know. Let's, let's hope. I was on the phone with a friend the other day and I was like, I just, I just really hope that like, this isn't the part of the movie where you feel like it's like a decent resolution. And then you look and there's 45 minutes left, you know? <laughs> Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, Biden won. We're going to be like, there's a lot to do, a lot to do, a lot to do. Everything's still fucked up, but like, we're on the right track, you know? Like, okay, we can all breathe. And it's like, and then. Yeah. You know, and then I feel like the, you know, environment or maybe like global warfare. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> lots of things. I don't know what the resolution is to that. We should maybe do an, like, actually do an episode on just like our pandemic mental health and like what our new, uh, sad weird things and habits are <laughs> yeah we should do that <laughs> on or off there but I think people would I'd yeah. like to listen to that so it does make it it makes me feel better when I hear about other people's problems and things yeah. that they're doing that are weird in this pandemic yeah. <laughs> uh, so we'll talk about weird stuff later um great <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Well, I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to specifically tackle? No, I think I'm, uh, I think I've tackled all I want to tackle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, here's a good line from New York times as I'm just scanning my little notey notes. Ooh, um, love that. I mean, this is so obvious, but the way that they just said at some point in an article, basically, 
what women are facing, it's hard choices for, for rich women and impossible ones for for the poor women. Um, so that's, you know, I would sum it up. It's a good way to sum it up. (laughs) Um, so cool. Great. Well, on that incredibly (laughs) optimistic note about, yeah, about to get even worse. (laughs) And now for we see you. Okay, this is like particularly disgusting and awful. A um, YouTuber in Moscow named Stanislav Reshetnikov accepted donations from strangers who would tell him what they wanted to see him do on camera. Um, Sometimes this would involve him abusing his girlfriend in so-called praying, such as spraying pepper spray in her face. Mm -hmm. A subscriber apparently last week paid $1,000 for him to lock his pregnant girlfriend, Valentina, out on the balcony in her underwear in Moscow in December, one of the coldest places literally in the world. Her boyfriend allegedly poured water on her and hit her before locking her outside, (sighs) ignored her pleas for help, live streaming the whole thing. When he finally went to let her back in, she was unresponsive. He carried her inside. He continued to live stream as the paramedics arrived and pronounced her dead. Oh my God. Yeah, it's incredibly fucked up. She's pregnant. Oh my God. Uh, YouTube, she was 28. He's 30. <gasps> like, I didn't even rem- hear about this. I know. <sighs> uh, YouTube removed the video and they removed his account and he is currently in police custody. Uh, the maximum sentence uh, Roshetnikov faces is 15 years because Russia is one of... Russia. <laughs> <laughs> Russia is one of the many places that does not take crimes against women nearly as seriously as they should. Um, this tragic murder feels like an extreme but natural progression from the mean-spirited prank videos all over YouTube. Mm-hmm. I, I will never understand why humiliation is entertainment for so many people. This feels very Black Mirror, which makes sense. It's kind of a perfect example of technology and the worst of humanity working in tandem to create something really awful. People... I think sometimes people fail to to remember that there are actually people on the other side of the screen and someone thought it'd be funny or whatever to pay this person a thousand dollars to lock this pregnant girlfriend outside in freezing temperatures and she died, you know, for what? Mm. For a thousand dollars for a prank. Um, we see you. Wow. We see you. Oh, that's awful. That's awful. Yeah. It's really, it's really, really bad really bad oh my god yeah i don't even know what to that's just nauseating i god (sighs) well (laughs) moving to another enraging human piece of trash um governor ron desantis of florida So he, um, well, it's unclear whether or not he actually um, was aware of this uh, raid of a uh, health department data scientist yesterday, Um, but it's pretty obvious that he was involved in it, and he actually appointed the judge that approved uh, the search warrant. Um, he was sworn. This judge was sworn in by Governor DeSantis less than a month before he signed this. Um, uh, warrant to raid the data scientist's house. Um, this guy, this judge, also isn't a criminal court judge, and this was one of his first actions. So it really does seem like this is a uh, something that uh, Ron DeSantis, the governor, um, had direct knowledge of. Um, so law enforcement alleged that this um, scientist, Rebecca Jones. Um, 
was uh, using her phone and other hardware um, to basically like send unauthorized messages um, to uh, Florida emergency personnel, um, which doesn't seem like necessarily an allegation that requires armed officers to uh, show up at your house with guns drawn and um, threaten your children at gunpoint along with your husband. Um, just doesn't seem like that's the type of, uh, appropriate response. Um, Rebecca Jones, she had, uh, she was fired from the Florida Department of Health earlier this summer, um, because she refused to comply with agency requests, um, which she said she considered unethical. Um, she accused the state of mismanaging the COVID health crisis, which it's clear that they did Florida, the Florida mismanagement and specifically Governor DeSantis's role in downplaying the pandemic is, has been widely documented at this point. Um, so, and in Florida, um, over 20,000 people have died, uh, from, from the mismanagement of the pandemic. Uh, and so Rebecca Jones had launched her own, uh, data portal, which was uh, supposed to be, she advertised it as an alternative to the state dashboard, the state COVID dashboard. Um, And so Florida's Department of Law Enforcement um, has been perceived as an attempt to silence her work. They took all of her technology and um, it, this has also prompted um, a a judicial, uh, the resignation of a, um, a, um, what's his name? Ron Filipowski, who's on the 12th Judicial Circuit Court Nominating Commission. Um, he's, he's a GOP uh, Republican, said that he couldn't serve um, on the panel in light of Governor DeSantis's handling of the coronavirus pandemic and the Florida Department of Law Enforcement's raid of Rebecca Jones' home. Um, he said, quote, I believe the policy of the state towards COVID-19 is reckless and irresponsible. Um, And in in his resignation letter today, he also said, um, I remained in my position because health policy was unrelated to my job um, on the JNC. However, the recent events regarding public access to truthful data on the pandemic and the specific treatment of Rebecca Jones has made this issue a legal one rather than just a medical one. Um, He also said that he didn't believe that DeSantis wasn't aware of this raid. Um, it had to have basically come directly from the governor. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, and Rebecca Jones has, um, she actually recorded, uh, the, the raid by the officers yesterday and it's, it's pretty chilling. Um, it's really scary that, um, basically what they're accusing her of is, so minor and it doesn't even uh it it seems fabricated because she's she's has like transparent you know she's basically just setting herself up as an alternative to the state's covid dashboard um and they came in and took all of her technology and they came in with guns drawn and threatened her and her children and her husband, um, which would be scarring. So anyway, this is all coming from Governor Ron DeSantis. He, uh, his record on the pandemic speaks for itself. He's a Trump Republican. And um, 
but this seems this seems to really be taking it too far when you're mar- marshalling um, law enforcement for your own kind of um, petty uh, vindictive reasons. So for Governor Ron DeSantis, we see you. Peace you. Piece of crap. Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> Last month, uh, more than 300 people went to a wedding near Ritzville, Washington, which is uh, very much against state restrictions. Mm-hmm. More than a dozen coronavirus cases and two outbreaks were traced as connected to the ceremony, and public health officials warned the fallout from that one event would likely get worse as they get more data. Every adult who attended that event should have known better, but appallingly, some of the guests who worked or who uh, went to the wedding um, actually work in nursing homes. <laughs> so people who work directly with those who are the most vulnerable to COVID decide to go to a 300-person event when coronavirus numbers are there, at their highest. 300 people. That's, wow. I mean, God. So The mental gymnastics for that, that event? Like, yeah. It wasn't a 10-person con. Um, at least six nursing home residents have now died of COVID-19 at two nursing homes mm. where employees tested positive after attending the wedding. Mm. Um, we've seen the impacts of these super spreader events. People attend a large wedding or a White House event, and then it turns out that people who didn't even attend get sick and die. We read and hear stories of families who decided to gather without taking precautions, and members of their family end up dying. They urge us to reconsider our plans. We're all so tired and we miss our loved ones, but if you're meeting with people without knowing that you're all COVID negative, you're putting yourself and others at risk. And knowing is hard. If you went to a wedding and you're exposed to the virus without knowing it, a few days later you're tested, maybe you test negative, you go to the event. You could be contagious but not showing symptoms. Doctors think the time period in which you are infected but not showing symptoms is when you're the most contagious. And particularly those whose jobs entail working directly with high-risk populations, people who can't quarantine after. Those nursing home residents who died did nothing wrong, but because the staff who worked with them took a risk, they're now gone. We see you. Oh, we see you. And it's like, not like... person event. How, yeah. How? How? That's not a reasonable risk. You know, there are some... I mean, really no risk if you're working with the high, in high-risk populations. There's really no excuse. I mean, that that is part of what your job is. You have to be more careful, but a 300 person wedding. I mean, this is not just like dinner with another couple. This is, I mean, that is unacceptable. Really, really awful. Um, well, Texas attorney general, Ken Paxton, um, he <laughs> made a uh, fool of himself today. Um, he he uh, is suing four states that be, that uh, basically sealed the election for President-elect uh, Joe Biden. In a he filed a brief in the Supreme Court. Um, because it's a dispute between states, alleging that, quote, significant and unconstitutional, that there were, quote, significant and unconstitutional irregularities in Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Um, he, it's it's openly partisan. Um, it doesn't have any real specific details. There's no specific allegations of fraud. Um, and... He basically has, uh, he's just calling on the uh, the Supreme Court to just like nullify these, uh, like the results. I mean, it, it's, it's a really bizarre, it's not going to be heard. They're probably not even going to take it up. I mean, it's not going to go in his, it's, it's a really bizarre and pathetic 
ploy. Um, but what's kind of even more cynical is kind of what I was alluding to earlier, which is that Texas AG Ken Paxton is actually under federal investigation for bribery. Um, and these were, uh, these were allegations that uh, his own aides accused him of. Um, they were basically saying that his, um, he had inappropriate relations, relations with um, a wealthy donor. Um, and they pointed the FBI to um, his, to different abuses of power. Um, so, people think there's widespread speculation that this attorney general in Texas is actually doing this so that he will get a pardon from Trump. He's get he wants to get on Trump's good side by t- just wasting everyone's time with a Supreme court case, uh, alleging irregularities in Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan, which by the way, have already done m- all of these states have done multiple recounts, certified the uh, that Biden has won. There's been no allegations of widespread fraud or any irregularities. Um, and these states have been under scrutiny for the last month, um, over a month, uh, heavy scrutiny um, and nothing. So this is, it's really... Uh, I just think it's dark, it's cynical, and really, I mean, again, like something that re- that we should look closely at once Biden's president, that you shouldn't be able to just throw your hat in the ring and waste everyone's time with these pathetic cases, especially if you're already un- under investigation, federal investigation for cr- other crimes, um, just to try to get some sort of preemptive pardon from President Trump, who, by the way, Vox has another kind of funny story where they say that now, just randomly in conversation, Trump is just offering pardons to people, just like floating them. And some people are finding it (laughs) offensive because they're like, wait, I didn't commit any federal crimes. So (laughs) this is weird. But I also want a pardon? Good. Oh yeah, it's super weird, and it then it, in the in the context of everything makes a lot more sense that this is why there's this like really um, baseless case being put in front of the Supreme Court. Um, anyway, so just hot garbage. Another reason I'm trying to stay off of Twitter because these things are dark and stupid, and I don't know what what you know what's what anymore, but. It's both of those things. So we see you, Attorney General of Texas, Ken Paxton. You have been seen. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Casey Goodson, a 23-year-old black man, was shot to death in Ohio by Deputy Jason Mead. He was working for the U.S. Marshals Fugitive Task Force looking for violent offenders. Uh, Casey Goodson was not the person being sought by the U.S. Marshals Task Force, nor was he wanted by law enforcement for any crime at this point or any other point in time. Um, and side note, people who do have criminal records also don't deserve to be shot to death. Mm. Um The claim by law enforcement is that he was waving a gun and refused to drop it, but his family says he was shot three times in the back, that he had put his keys in the door before he was shot and fell in the kitchen, where his five-year-old brother and his grandmother saw him lying on the ground with Subway sandwiches in his hand. Um, He was coming home after a dentist appointment, and he had gotten sandwiches for his family on his way back. Uh, His sister Kaylee said, my brother literally walked across the yard, walked into the back fence to get to the side door, had the sandwiches and mask in one hand, keys in the other, unlocked and opened the door, stepped into the house, and was shot. 
A tweet by the Franklin County Sheriff's Office said Goodson's weapon was recovered at the scene. Um, Goodson does have a concealed carry license. It was current. And legally having a gun on him doesn't mean that he was waving it around at an officer. Why did this officer shoot him in the back as he was entering his house, his hands full of sandwiches and keys, not weapons? The sheriff's office said deputies do not wear body cameras. They don't have that. Investigators said no other law enforcement officers witnessed the shooting, so we don't have that. And as of Sunday afternoon, which was two days after the shooting, the officer who killed him had still not been interviewed by investigators. So thankfully, I guess, the Department of Justice announced today that it's going to join the investigation into the death of Casey Goodson, the murder, I will say. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope some semblance of justice will be served, but there is nothing just about another innocent black man being murdered at the hands of police. We see you. We see you. That's so sad. That's so sad. So, so unnecessary. Yeah, it's and it's hard. It's hard when like to say. I feel like it's kind of similar to when we're saying like I hope justice can be served. For instance, for like Brianna Taylor's family, because it's like, well, justice won't ever be served for Brianna Taylor. She's dead. You know, he's yeah. this, this man is dead. There's no, there's no real justice. Yeah, the only thing like, can yeah yeah like we like to nod to justice, and it's incredibly important that, that the people who do these commit these crimes are held accountable. And but. Yeah, there's there's no justice when these people lost their lives for literally no reason. Yeah. He was just trying to help support. Apparently, he took out another job to try and help support his grandma and his family and, you know, Mm. people. Oh, my God. People. Wait, have you watched? (laughs) Have you watched The Undoing? I forget. No. Okay. Okay. Never mind then. Get to it. <laughs> Get to it. There's a there's a Twitter joke that's gonna be funny in like ten weeks or whenever you <laughs> remind me. Twitter joke for the undoing. Put a okay. pin in it. We'll circle back. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, okay. So Ugh, this is just my WCUs this week have been just like a who's who of just like gross um Southern Republicans, <laughs> Southern Republican men. I don't love it. Men. Um, so this last we see you is for um, a Florida attorney named Bill Price, um, who is now facing a felony investigation after he urged Republicans uh, <laughs> to um, violate the law by registering to vote in Georgia. Um, so. He's, he's, he did it publicly. Um, he made these remarks in early November in a Facebook Live video, which he has since deleted. Um, but he said, quote, we have to win on January 5th, and I will invite each and every one of you to be my roommate in Georgia. I'm moving to Georgia. I'm changing my voter registration right now, and I'm inviting two million people to be my roommate. <laughs> wow. Um, so under Georgia state law, it's a felony punishable by up to 10 years in prison to register to vote as a non-resident without proper qualifications. Oopie doopie. Um, Price later told reporters in Atlanta he was only making humorous comments, but elections officials in Georgia's Paulding County say that Price did, in fact, register to vote at his brother's address. Mm. (laughs) I mean, even people like, I realize we've all, we all make jokes about uh, moving to Georgia and we've made jokes about moving to other states. Um, but the difference is that they're actually, they're jokes. Um, we 
haven't registered down there and would not encourage anyone who doesn't live in Georgia to register in Georgia. That's again, like for it's, it's sort of ironic because Republicans talk ad nauseum about voter voter fraud. And then they're the ones like publicly committing it. Um, Constantly. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's fun. Um, There are people like Andrew Yang, for instance, who moved his family down to Georgia, but he also clarified that they were not registering to vote. He's he's moved down there to help with the election, but feels like it would be in bad faith to register because he's only going to really be there for three months, two or three months. As far as I know, he might change his plans and then register. But I think that it's... um, Obviously, Bill Price setting a terrible example, also being just completely oblivious to what the law is uh, for a part, again, for the party of always crying foul for voter voter fraud um, and also the party of law and order. I would encourage him to maybe get get back in touch with, uh, I don't know, what his party uh, says they stand for. <laughs> um, so attorney Bill Price from Florida, we see you. <laughs> Insane. Love that. Um, now for a good thing. There, yeah. I'm throwing in a bonus one that you don't even know burr, about. Burr, burr. Oh, um, I'm excited. Oh, it's not. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so apparently my dog Gertie is watching Snow Dogs for the first time in the other room. Wow. Um, yes, because my husband was watching a movie where apparently a gorilla made a scary noise. And so oh. he said, all right, you can watch Snow Dogs next. And this is before we record. And I thought he was joking. Um, he sent a picture of her, I'll send it to you, of her just like yeah. stretched on the bed, staring at the screen with like oh. snow dogs on. That's I think they're watching cute. the whole movie. Yeah. So. Oh, so yeah. Charlie's just. Charlie's has... fully watching snow dogs with my For... dogs. Oh. Our dog. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have a job now. Everything's mine. <laughs> I'm going to become a toxic man. <laughs> So he's an angel from the heavens. Um, uh, that's adorable. Yeah, I'll send you the pick. But the thing that we talked about that I thought was really cool um, was a young man. Uh, God, this last name looks uh, <laughs> Polish, maybe. Sklusacek. Tyler Sklusacek. Nice. Um, he designed an app because his father was having a bad PTSD and he was having nightmares um, after he returned from serving um, and they would wake up in the middle of the night he wasn't able to sleep at all and so he developed this app that um, could sense when someone's about to have a nightmare when it's about mm. to get bad you know when your your vitals change in that way and it would wake you up so that you wouldn't have that nightmare and you could go back to sleep um, so I just thought that was a really touching <laughs> and awesome uh, thing to to create. Um, yeah. and I think some of the most, some of the coolest, I think, products and ideas out there come from someone who loves somebody who's dealing with someone, something or someone who is themselves, you know, just that inherent passion about it. So um, yeah, yeah, I'm really, I'm really glad to see it. It's probably going to help a lot of people. Um, I mean, I have nightmares every night. I don't have PTSD. I'm just a little baby. <laughs> just, just I'm just anxious. a tiny baby. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't go to war. I'm just a tiny baby. But um, no, it is very cool that, uh, that this exists and that, um, and that it's been working for his dad, you know, 
Right. Yeah. But what a special thing for that family and what a special gift to share with other families this holiday season. I know. Uh, oh, good touching. for them. I know. I love it when people are good. Ooh. I do too. Oh, we love it. <laughs> we love it. We love to see it. <laughs> we do. Oh, that reminds me of one little nugget from just the pandemic slash research that uh, countries that are run by women have been doing better with the pandemic, with managing it, with communication, oh, with interesting. like deaths. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, I feel like when you combine like intellect with like compassion and like, <laughs> caring about other people and stuff, it just like works out. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. There's just like some cooperation too, some elements of that, that I think, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it works well. Well, we know that more diverse, uh, more diverse groups and teams uh, excel. So, you know, when you put women in charge, there you go. There you, go. there you go. Maybe 2024, 2028. I don't know. We'll see. God. Uh... We'll have a great <laughs> Dece- this week in December. Yeah. <laughs> December 8th now, but I don't know when you're listening. Send yeah. us like, I don't know. Send us something. <laughs> oh, you know what would be fun? I can what cut this out if we don't want, <laughs> but you had this, you had this really cool idea for an episode that we we're thinking about doing. Um, putting people oh. on the naughty and nice list. Yeah, naughty and nice list for 2020. Um, so we don't know exactly what shape that'll take, if we'll each pick some or if we'll decide together on, on what and how many we'll do. But it could be cool to have, like, um, fan or just listener, if you're not ready to commit, yeah. uh, <laughs> to have a listener, um, like a listener vote, maybe, even, you know? Yeah. It's like, who do you think? Who is on your, your naughty and your nice list? Like, let us know. Right. Maybe we'll talk about it and we'll be like, we so agree. Or you'll be like, what? Yeah. No. But either way, we love it. We love to hear it. Love to see it. Um, who's yeah. been naughty? Who's been nice? Hit us up. Start thinking about it. Email us, yeah. feministswithoutmystique at gmail.com. Um, mm-hmm. We have a number, which we will oh, yeah. find. I'll, I'll look it up. <laughs> that's another thing that's drawing out of our accounts. <laughs> I'm like, I get the, the little yeah. like receipt that's like, it's on yours, I think. Um, yeah. That's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, there are a few things on mine. I also just unchecked a few boxes on like auto, auto pay. So we'll see if that disrupts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It shouldn't. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. It shouldn't impact us because I didn't touch it. All right. Anyway, it's just one of those things, but we'll find the, the number that you can call into to, we'll I'll, let you I'll know update. how to call us. You can send us a voice memo though. Email us. Uh, you can be anonymous. Um, and yeah, who's on your naughty or nice list. Yeah. Slide into our DMs, whatever you need to do, you know? Yeah. Just know like, no gross stuff. Yeah, don't. Yeah. Don't like. Yeah, don't be like, oh, I'm naughty. Look at this Yule log I have. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was one of yeah, the worst we'll pickup lines. It. We'll save that for next week. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about mental health issues we're having. <laughs> All right, goodbye, everyone.